Welcome. You are listening to SIB Life Church Sermon Audio Podcast. If you would like to know about SIB Life, including our online service time, you can join us online at siblife.my. For those of you who are first time with us, welcome home, welcome to our family, and thank you for joining us this morning. Now, we are so grateful that you make time for God and His people. Now, if you remember last Sunday, Pastor Dan preached about purging your life, and he explains to us why God instructed the Israelites to observe the festival of unleavened bread, whereby one of the instructions is to remove any yeast from their house. Now, you guys remember that? Now, the Jews up to today, they are still practicing the, that tradition. And what is it for? It's for them to remember what God has done and also it has a great spiritual meaning to it. So if you missed last Sunday's sermon, you know, I would like to encourage you to go and check it out later. So this morning, I'm going to continue with our sermon series on the book of Exodus. So let's open up our Bible and turn to Exodus chapter 13, verse 1 to 16, right? Exodus chapter 13, verse 1 to 16. I'm going to read from the Christian Standard Bible. So here we go. The Lord spoke to Moses, Consecrate every firstborn male to me, the firstborn from every womb among the Israelites, both man and domestic animal. It is mine. Then Moses said to the people, Remember this day when you came out of Egypt, out of the place of slavery, for the Lord brought you out of here by the strength of his hand. Nothing living may be eaten. Today, in the month of Abib, you are going out. When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Hivites, and Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers that he would give you a land flowing with milk and honey, you must carry out this ceremony in this month. For seven days, you must eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day, there is to be a festival to the Lord. Verse 7, unleavened bread is to be eaten for those seven days. Nothing living may be found among you, and no yeast may be found among you in all your territory. On that day, explain to your son, this is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. Verse 9, let it serve as a sign for you on your hand and as a reminder on your forehead, so that the Lord's instruction may be in your mouth. For the Lord brought you out of Egypt with a strong hand. Keep this statute at its appointed time from year to year. When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites as He swore to you and your fathers and gives it to you, you are to present to the Lord every firstborn male of the womb, all firstborn offspring of the livestock you own that are males will be the Lord's. You must redeem every firstborn of a donkey with a flock animal. But if you do not redeem it, break its neck. However, you must redeem every firstborn among your sons. Now, in the future, when your son asks you, what does this mean? Say to him, by the strength of his hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. When Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed every firstborn male in the land of Egypt, both 
the firstborn of humans and the firstborn of livestock. That is why I sacrifice to the Lord all the firstborn of the womb that are males, but I redeem all the firstborn of my sons. So let it be a sign on your hand and a symbol on your forehead, for the Lord brought us out of Egypt by the strength of his, his hand. Amen. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to hear your word this morning. I believe your word today is for each of us, including myself. Let your Holy Spirit come and touch our hearts and minds so that by the end of this service, our hearts and minds will be renewed and we love you more. Thank you, Jesus. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So church, today I'm going to title my sermon, Living as God's Redeemed People living as God's redeemed people in Bahasa Melayu dia hidup sebagai umat tebusan Allah alright now the Passover is one of the big festivals celebrated by the Jews for generations it is a celebration that commemorates the exodus of the Jews from slavery in Egypt now this celebration lasts for seven days but for those who are outside Israel the celebration lasts for eight days, right? Now, what does the tradition of Passover and our lives as believers, what's the connection? What's the connection of this tradition and our life today? Now, we are not Jews and we don't celebrate Passover like the Jews. But let me tell you today, the passage that we just read has a very significant spiritual meaning to us. Now, just a few weeks ago, we celebrated Good Friday and Easter Sunday. We are reminded of what Jesus has done at the cross 2,000 years ago. Through his death, we are redeemed, we are set free from our sin, from eternal death, and now we are part of God's kingdom, part of God's family, so we are God's redeemed people. Amen? Amen? Now, how do we live as God's redeemed people? Because to make Jesus as our Lord and Savior is just the first step. Now, the next step is to live as the people of God who has been redeemed by the blood of Christ. So, living as God's redeemed people means, the first one, we belong to God. A person or an object can be said to belong to us when it falls in one of these categories. First, we create or we made them. Secondly, they are given to us permanently. And third, we pay a full price for it. Now, in other words, a person or an object can be said to belong to us when we have full authority over them. Are you guys following me? Now, there are many verses in the Bible that show that uh, we belong to God. Now, let me just share some of them. Now, first, we were created by God. Okay, Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 says, so God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. Amen. Now, secondly, God gave us to Jesus. In John chapter 35 says, The Father loves the Son and has given all things in his hands. John chapter 17 verse 6 says, I have revealed your name to the people you gave me from the world they were yours you gave them to me and they have kept your word and thirdly 
God pays the full price for us through His Son, Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19-20 Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought at a price. So glorify God with your body. And lastly, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18-19 to For you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from your ancestors not with perishable things like silver or gold but with the precious blood of christ like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb you can see this verse shows that we belong to god it's not me saying you know it's the word of god you know so many people in this day and age they struggle with the fact that they belong to god the statement belong to god can be so restrictive for some people who wants to be the captain of their own ship you know a self-made person who thinks that everything they have is 100% the result of their own efforts now for some the idea of us belonging to God is somewhat vague or in sentimental concept the reality is that God owns us completely and entirely can I hear an amen right now therefore we should seek and accept God's will for our lives, knowing that He has the right to do with us whatever He wishes. Let's look back at the origin of the nation of Israel. So it all started with God choosing the family of Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 3. God tells Abraham that He will make him into an entire nation that will prosper, grow, and have great reputation and be secure. Now, this family later becomes the nation of Israel. For what purpose? Why? Why did God choose Abraham's family? Now, the answer lies in the last line of God's blessing to Abraham that says in, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And, I, and in your all, the families of the earth will be blessed. God chooses this one family to be the vehicle of His blessing to all families. Now, clearly, Israel is, uh, is God's chosen nation in the Old Testament. But this raises a number of questions, right? Now, does God favor Israel over other people groups? Now, I'm not, not born in Israel. You know, you are not born in Israel. I'm not a Jew. So how can I be God's chosen people? How can you be God's chosen people? Because we are not Jews, you know. Now, this is why we should be grateful and appreciate what Jesus has done for us on the cross 2,000 years ago. John chapter 1, verse 12 to 13. But to all who did receive Him, He gave them the right to be the children of God to those who believe in His name who were born not of natural descent of, or, or of the will of the flesh or of the will of the man, but of God. Amen. Now in Galatians, Galatians chapter 3, verse 27 to 29, For those of you who were baptized in the Christ, into Christ have been clothed with Christ. There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male and female, since you are all one in Christ Jesus. Verse 29, and if you belong to Christ, hello, and if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. 
when God says you are mine, it means that God loves each one of us individually. Come on church. God loves us regardless of our background, status, education, occupation, and even our position in church or in a society. God loves us and we are His possession. We are His people. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, whether we see ourselves as a failure or someone who are like hopeless, stubborn, or rejected, God claims us as His own. Now, just look at the Israelites. Who are they before God redeemed them? Right? They are stiff-necked people and God still claims them as His own. Now, maybe you've heard the saying, um, God loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. Which that's true. God loves you and me and He loves all of us. Nothing can change that fact, you know, that God loves us. Now, let me continue. God's claim upon us is that when we belong to Him, nothing can take us away from Him. Look at what Pharaoh did to the Israelites. Look at what happened to the enemies of Israel. Even if the Israel got outnumbered, they are not defeated because God is with them. Because you know why? Because they belong to God and nothing can separate them from God. Amen. Now, even when you look at the nation of Israel today, they are surrounded by their enemies and still they thrive and impact the world. Hallelujah. Church, maybe some of you are doctor, some of you are manager, student or teacher, but let me tell you, you are first of all one of God's people. You may be a father or a mother or a friend, but you are first of all one of God's people. Salah satu daripada umat Tuhan. Now, how you live each day, how you live in each of these other roles will be shaped by your relationship to God as someone who belongs to Him. Because we belong to God, just like Israelites, our part is to what? To consecrate our firstborn to God. Now that's what God commanded Moses and the Israelites to do. And that's, that is what God commanded us to do today. Now, so as God redeemed people, yeah, we, are, we belong to God. And secondly, as God redeems people, redeem people, sorry, we consecrate our firstborn to God. Now, the Lord spoke to Moses in verse 2. Consecrate every firstborn male to me, the firstborn from every womb among the Israelites, both man and domestic animal, it is mine. So, what is consecrate? We, we don't use the word consecrate in our daily, you know, conversation. Now, so consecrate in its original meaning, okay, it's a, the Hebrew word is kodesh. Come on, kodesh. It means what? To sanctify, to be set apart, to be hallowed, to observe as holy, keep sacred for a specific purpose. Now, example, Aaron and his descendants has been consecrated to serve as a priest for God's people. Yeah, sudah dikhususkan, diasingkan, dikuduskan. Now, they are not allowed to do any other jobs besides serving in the temple. God commissioned them to distinguish the holy from the common and the clean from the unclean and to teach the Torah to the Israelites. That's their role, right? Now, in our world today, People with certain clothing, you know, they are consecrated for certain purpose, you know, for a certain job. Example, a monk, uh, a nun, 
alright a priest they have certain certain attire right now for example a doctor right when they put when a doctor put their uniform you know they are consecrated for a specific purpose which is what to treat people to make people well so you don't see a doctor in uniform and work in the farm you know so they work in the hospital right now i give you another example um and an object my watch now of all the possessions that i own my watch was consecrated set apart for a specific purpose which is what to tell time to to monitor my my heart rate and my distance and pace when i run now i won't be wearing my watch when, when my watch when I'm, I'm when i'm at home unless i want to run or leave the house right so i and, and i won't be using my watch to hammer things or as a door stopper or as a torchlight even though my watch got lights you know yeah and because i have consecrated it i will be angry if my kids play with my watch or abuse it because this is not a toy so you guys following me so to consecrate means to set apart to sanctify to keep it sacred for a specific purpose amen now let us move on to the next two words okay we have i've explained what is consecrate means now next two words is firstborn male for this i want you to follow me closely because i'm trying my best to explain to you the significance of firstborn male and the historical context of it now only then we will see and understand why consecrating the firstborn male is demanded by God and why this is so important and what does it has what it has to do with us today all right so what is firstborn male now what's the significance does it mean that the the, the oldest the, the the oldest better than the rest are boys more important than girls no okay let me tell you all children in Israel belong to the Lord and his covenant now as I mentioned earlier we all of us belong to God amen then the question is why take only the firstborn now first of all I want you all to know that God is not sexist okay yeah uh, when when he's not sexist when he asked the Israelites to consecrate the firstborn son now there is a specific reason a prophetic meaning why God specifically asked for firstborn male now in Genesis chapter 49 verse 3 this is Jacob's last word to his son Reuben right he says Reuben you are my firstborn my strength and the first fruits of my virility excelling in prominence excelling in power now from this verse alone we can see that firstborn male is a symbol of what power might the first sign of strength uh, the, the first fruit first in rank first in power you know uh, firstborn male is a symbol of what precious you know esteem and look up to now so reuben was the firstborn of the 12 sons of jacob no at first he excelled in honor and power you know so that is you know as it just fits the firstborn son but as we read in verse 4 now let me read in verse 4 in the uh, nlt version but you are as unruly as a flood and you will be first no longer for you went to bed with my wife you defiled my marriage couch 
what happened was Jacob declares that Reuben will no longer excel, no longer be the firstborn due to his sin of incest with Bilhah, his father's concubine's wife. Okay, we can see that in Genesis chapter 35. Now, although that sin was committed 40 years prior, his sin has a great impact on Reuben's character and also his descendants. You guys following me? So, by committing this uncleanliness with his father's wife, there would be reproach or celaan. Okay, bahasa Melayu celaan. There will be a reproach upon his tribe and the family to whom he ought to have been an example and blessing. Therefore, he forfeited the privileges of the birthright, and his dying father demoted him. Although he did not disown or disinherit him, he would still have all the privilege of the son, but not the privileges of the firstborn. So it's very important. Now, in the Jewish culture, the firstborn son was a principal heir of the father and a successor of the family. They also received double portion of their father's inheritance. So you can see the importance of firstborn son in Jewish family. Now, Whatever happens as the result of the elder son's action, whether it's a blessing or curse, it will be passed down to his descendants. Now, let me bring back to you to uh, the last, uh, the 10th plague okay, of Egypt. Now, on the tragic night in Egypt, you know, which is when the 10th plague took place, the firstborn in each Israelite family was spared. The basis for the firstborn was being spared was that a lamb had died earlier in the evening and its blood was smeared on the doorpost of each Israelite's home. The lamb was slain sebagai apa? Sebagai ganti korban, you know, as a substitutionary sacrifice for the firstborn of the family. If no lamb was slain, then the firstborn son would die. Now, this is the basis of God's claim upon the firstborn in the Israelite family. Are you guys following me? Yeah. So, the firstborn has been redeemed by the death of the Lamb. Now, which brings me to another word, the word redeem. The word redeem means to ransom, rescue, to deliver. Now, church, we are the firstborn son. Each of us by right should die for the sins we have committed. Yet, because God gave His Son Jesus, the sacrificial lamb, He died on the cross, He shed His blood, redeemed, uh, rescued, and delivered each of us from the death penalty. Now, there's a quote by John Stott, which I want to share to us. For the essence of sin is a man stop substituting himself for God while the essence of salvation is God substituting himself for man. Think about that. Right? God came to earth substituting himself for man. So Jesus is the Lamb of God who has redeemed us. Amen. Ya, anak domba Allah yang telah menebus kita. Hallelujah. Now, move on. How about the firstborn offspring of the livestock, right? Now, firstborn livestock, okay, binatang peliharaan yang, uh, binatang ternakan sulung, talks about what? Talks about the first produce, the first fruit of their hard labor, the first offspring, the first to open the womb, and the first basically talks about what? Superior, strength, 
most valued, most precious, and let me be more specific, okay? In Jewish culture, when it comes to animal sacrifice, not all the firstborn animals were sacrificed or considered as fit for sacrifice. Yeah? Because for the Jews, they have kosher and non-kosher animals. In other words, they have the halal and non-halal animals. Right? Now, when God told Moses to sacrifice the firstborn livestock in verse 12, he's referring to the firstborn of the kosher animals. Binatang-binatang, peliharaan yang, binatang-tenakan yang halal. We can see God repeat himself to Moses in Exodus chapter 4, verse 19. He says, the firstborn male from every womb belongs to me, including all your male livestock, the firstborn of cattle or sheep. Now here God specifically mentioned two kosher animals, dua binatang yang halal, yaitu apa? Cattle and sheep. Now, bear in mind, this sacrifice of the firstborn livestock will only take place when they are in the promised land, not when they are in Egypt. So that's why you can only see the details of what kosher and non-kosher animals in the book of Deuteronomy and Leviticus. Alright, you guys following me? Now, in verse 13 of chapter 13, there's one particular, particular animal being mentioned here. Okay, verse 13 says, You must redeem every firstborn of a donkey with a flock animal. But if you do not redeem it, break its neck. However, you must redeem every firstborn among your sons. Now, here's the thing. Why was donkey mentioned specifically here? Horses, you know, um, horses were well known in Egypt at that time, but were kept only by the kings and the great men. The Hebrews had not been in position ever to have, you know, uh, possess any, 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 any horses. So donkey, on the contrary, were exceedingly common and formed the ordinary beasts of burden in the country. Okay, so donkey ni adalah binatang yang banyak senang didapatkan. So the Israelites must have carried their tents and other baggage on donkeys. Now, let me tell you, okay, donkeys are not kosher animals. For the Jews, keldai bukanlah binatang yang halal. Okay, they are not kosher animals. Since they neither chew their cud, nor have split hooves, okay? Uh, well, you, you read in determining and Leviticus, you, are, you will understand, okay? So, but in other words, donkey are considered like um, double haram, <laughs> you know, double haram. Because it has both criteria that made it as non-kosher. First, they, they, they didn't chew their cud, they don't, and, and secondly, they don't have split hooves. Wow, dua, dua, dua criteria menunjukkan dia memang tidak halal. Now, since a donkey uh, is not a kosher, right? So it cannot be sacrificed. What should we? What should be done with the firstborn? Now, God said that if an owner wanted to keep and use his firstborn donkey, he would need to redeem it. He would need to sacrifice a lamb, a kosher animal, rather than kill his donkey. Now, if he refused to redeem his donkey, he must kill it by breaking its neck, not slaughter it. Now, the, and, 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 and what happened was, if, if the owner refused to sacrifice or, or, or you know, uh, redeem, uh, sorry, the owner refused to redeem the donkey, he need to break its neck. He cannot slaughter. Why? Why must break the neck? 
why must uh, 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 why why not slaughter? Now, the purpose was because it was not to be killed by shedding of blood. Because you know why? Because in ancient Israel, the slaughter of an animal in the ordinary way implied a sacrifice. Maksud adanya pengorbanan, which was impossible because donkey is a non-kosher animal. Ya, tidak boleh digunakan untuk satu sebagai korban. Ya, kerana binatang yang tidak halal. Right? So now pay attention to what I'm about to explain here. Alright? Okay? I explain about donkeys, about kosher, non-kosher. Now, by God's grace, because of what Jesus has done at the cross, we are no longer required to sacrifice our firstborn child. Yeah? Even if we want... We are not perfect. We are not perfect sacrifice because of our sin. Just like the donkey. You know, the, den- the donkey cannot be used as sacrifice because of its nature. It is a non-kosher animal. Memang haram. Kita tidak layak untuk memberikan diri kita sebagai tebusan sebab kita tidak halal. Kita haram. Kita memang berdosa. Are you guys following me? And the only way for us to be redeemed is through the sacrifice of the blood of the Lamb, which is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah. Now, God doesn't need us to sacrifice for Him because you know why? Because His Son, Jesus, is the ultimate sacrifice. He does, however, give us the opportunity to sacrifice as a living way to express our love and gratitude for all He has done. Now, why God gives us this opportunity? Kenapa? Think about the things or people we consecrate in our daily life. Okay? Remember the meaning of consecrate? To set apart, you know, to make, uh, to, 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 for a specific purpose, purpose. Now, so, we frequently, you know, consecrate our time, money, and energy to show our love and care for others and ourselves. Betul atau tidak? Some of us consecrate our time, money, and energy for our work, hobbies, and family. We consecrate our dreams and not allowing anybody to touch it, not even God. We're willing to consecrate our money and time for our studies, career, for our dreams, for ourselves, but not for God. Now, for parents, we consecrate the best children to become professionals like doctors, lawyers, you know, etc. But children who are not smart or didn't perform up to our expectation, we give them to God. Yeah, we go full-time ministry. Lah. You know, church, do you know that by not consecrating ourselves as a living sacrifice, we are not giving God our firstborn. We are not giving God our best. We are not giving God our strength. We are, but but we are giving God our what? Our life over things that are not important to us. Whatever balance we have from our time or money or other resources, we give it to God. Now think about that. Is that a way for us to appreciate all the good that God has done in our lives? Yeah. Itu cara yang benar untuk kita meresponi karya penebusan Tuhan. You know, God needs nothing. But we express our love for Him by giving our life as living sacrifice to Him. 
Now, Apostle, Apostle Paul says, because of Christ, we no longer have to bring a sacrifice. We become the living sacrifice. He wrote in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Amen. So as God redeemed people, when living as God's redeemed people means what? First one just now, you know, yeah, we belong to God. Secondly, living as God's redeemed people, we must consecrate our firstborn to God. And thirdly, lastly, as God's redeemed people, we remember what God has done for us. Yeah. Exodus chapter 13, verse 3 and 14. Then Moses said to the people, Remember this day when you came out of Egypt, out of the place of slavery, for the Lord brought you out of here by the strength of his hand. Verse 14. In the future, when your son asks you, What does this mean? Say to him, by the strength of his hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. You know, God brought the Israelites out from Egypt with his mighty hand. Through the ten plagues, he displayed his power not only to Pharaoh, but also to Moses and the Israelites. God's, God has chosen us as his own people. He sent his son, Jesus, as our redemption therefore church as God's redeemed people we must remember what God has done through his son Jesus Christ we must remember how God redeemed us from our sins by sacrificing his firstborn son Jesus to us until today every year the Jews still practice some of the rituals of sacrificing animals and redeeming the firstborn child in remembrance of the Passover. Yes, they still do it until today. So by doing those rituals, they use it as an opportunity to remind themselves of what God has done to their ancestor and to tell their children what God, uh, who God is and what Jesus has done for them. Yeah? Apart from that rituals, God gave Moses another guidance on how they could remember his work of redemption in their lives. Now check out verse 16. So let it be a sign on your hand and a symbol on your forehead for the Lord brought us out of Egypt by the strength of his hand. Now you might have seen it, this, this object in, 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 among the Jews before. Okay? This is, uh, the, the object was called tefillin. Okay? The, small, the two small black boxes with black straps attached to them are called tefillin. Now, until today, Jewish men are required to place one box on their head and tie the other one on their arm each weekday morning. Basically, these black boxes you know, believed to be um, introduced by the Pharisees. You know, they basically took verse 16 literally, while the other Jewish group understood that verse 16 is to be taken figuratively. Now, it means only that one should always be preoccupied with words of Torah as if they were in front of their eyes. That's why they put that. Yeah. Why God gave so much instruction and details for the people? Come on, why? Simply because we as human is a forgetful being. Kita ni mudah lupa. Just look at the Israelites. 
when they are stuck between the Red Sea and the emerging, emerging Egyptian army, they quick to forget it is God who lead them out of Egypt. And when they are in that situation, they complain to Moses. Church, we need to be constantly reminded. Yeah? Now for us, we, we are not required to do all these rituals. We are not required to put tefillin around our, our head or our arm. You know? So how can we remember what God has done for us, especially 2,000 years ago? How can we remind ourselves and our children and our children's children of God's goodness to us? Now, this is how we do it, right? By living a life of a living sacrifice to God. Like what Paul mentioned in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, right? Now, by showing to our children and the people around us, what is it like to be a living sacrifice to God? We tell our kids why we take the Holy Communion. We tell our kids why we bring tithes and offerings. We tell our kids why we go to church on Sunday. These are some of the ways for us to remind ourselves and our children of what God has done for us. You know, just last two weeks while sending my son to school, okay, my son David, I asked him if he knows the meaning of Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Now, I remember last year I told him about the crucifixion of Jesus and how Jesus was raised from the dead on the third day. So I want to test and remind him again the reason for us celebrating Good Friday and Easter Sunday. So, and for this, I want to thank uh, Juliet, you know, and Life Kids teacher, you know, for helping us to make sure our kids remember the meaning of Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Thank you, Juliet. Thank you, Life Kids teacher. Appreciate it. You know, so I'm glad that my son remembers. Yeah, my son remembers why we celebrate Good Friday and Easter Sunday. So, church. How do you remember everything that God has done in your life? How do you remind yourself of what Jesus has done for you? Parents, what are the traditions, if I may say, what are the traditions that you want to pass to your children and your children's children when it comes to remembering Jesus? When people look at our lives, can they see the redemptive work of Christ in our lives? So church, as God's redeemed people, we belong to God, we consecrate our firstborn to God, and we remember what He has done for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's bow our head right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let's, let us do some reflection. How are we going to respond to God's word today? Are we living as God's redeemed people? Or are we living as if we own our own life and we don't belong to God? Let's take this time to reflect. And you know, church, let's sing this song together as a prayer of our submission to God. Come on, church, let's sing this song together.
Lord Jesus, thank you, God. We offer our life to you, Jesus. Every single thing that we do, Lord, we pray that you use it for your glory. Hallelujah. Now, maybe some of you, before hearing this sermon this morning, you have actually have forgotten the things that what God has done in your life. Kamu lupa apa yang Tuhan dalam hidupan kamu. Do you remember how your past sin has been forgiven? Do you remember how you get your job? Do you remember how hard you try to conceive? Do you remember how desperate you are to pass your exam? And now you have strayed far from your faith. You have forgotten your first love. You have lived as if God got nothing to do with the achievement, the comfort and the success that you experience today. Repent, my friend, repent. Rededicate your life to God once again. Now, some of you probably feel that you are rejected, abandoned, and not worthy. You might think that you are a failure. Today, once again, you are reminded that you belong to God because of Jesus. You and I become part of God's family because the sacrifices that Jesus has made 2,000 years ago. Let me pray for you, all of you. Hallelujah. Now just raise your hands. I'm going to pray for all of you right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. For the God, this morning, we are reminded again of your redemptive work for the nation of Israel. We are thankful that through your son, Jesus, we became, uh, became your own people, the people you have sanctified and ordained to fulfill your purpose on this earth. Lord, we have fallen so short of your perfect standard. Just like the Israelites, we know that we have no merit in us and no good things come out from, us, from our lives because we are sinners. We know that without your grace, without Jesus Christ, we have no place in your family. So thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, that in Christ we are cleansed of all our unrighteousness by grace through faith in Him. Just like the Israelites, we need you, Lord, always. Father, you have promised that if we confess our sins, you are always faithful to forgive us and cleanse us. We pray, Lord Jesus, that day by day we may be washed with the word so that we become more and more like Jesus and less and less like the person we used to be. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So church, may God continue to protect 
each of you bless you abundantly in every good work may the glory of god illuminate your life and may everything you do bear fruit know that as god's reading people he will not leave you nor forsake you he is always be with you thank you god thank you jesus we receive your redemption we receive your blessing today in jesus most holy name all god's people say amen 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 come on church give god a big round of applause hallelujah hallelujah once again thank you for joining us this morning and then don't forget you know join us for we pray as usual on wednesday and saturday have a great weekend have a blessed sunday see you welcome you are listening to sib life church sermon audio podcast if you would like to know about sib life including our online service time you can join us online at siblife.my